a Scotsman went to Australia and as he's going through the, the customs, the guy at the customs said to him, did you come here to die? And the Scotsman said, no, I didn't, I came here to live. And the, and the customs officer said, no, nah, did you come here to die or yes to die? <laughs> <laughs> Good to be here with you. Good to be here with you and to share the Word of God. It's always a joy to look at the Word of God together. And it's an absolute privilege to be able to, um, to use the Word of God as a tremendous tool in, uh, in our growth as, as believers. I want to um, talk about a a couple of subjects, but the, the main thing that I want to leave you with is an understanding of the keys of the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom of God. And I do honestly believe that um, a lot of the church has not really understood the, the power of the keys of the kingdom. Um, to me, it's been a fascination over the years. When we read in John 3, he talks about in John 3 there, he says, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot, do I remember? See the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus, of course, who should have been a teacher or the teachers of Israel, he, he didn't have a clue. He was clueless as to what he was talking about. And he said, do I have to go back inside my mother's womb? And Jesus just sort of shakes his head, you know, he says, Unless a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I've, I have for years and years been, God keeps bringing him back to that scripture and there's many different ways to in, understand what the born of the water and of the Spirit. And I've come to the conclusion that it's talking about regeneration, there's no doubt about that. And it's not necessarily talking about water baptism and it's not talking about other different signs of uh, baptisms. It's, it's actually saying, unless you are prepared to go deeper, then you'll just see it, but you won't enter. And I'm saying to you today that the keys of the kingdom give us the entrance into all that God has for us. Keys speaks about authority. Keys talk about that which opens and that which shuts. That which allows us to get in and allows us to legitimately get in. I mean, the thief can get in and he can get in without a key. But legitimately, we have to use keys. That's the, the, the general conception here. And what we have to have a look at when we look at the keys of the kingdom in a few minutes is what are the keys... And to what do they open up to us? And we're going to use a few examples of that. So let's have a little, little dig around for a little while. I want to talk about some scriptures. If you've got um, the first scripture there, please. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. You see, the, the old ancient people, they came up with three conclusions, basically, as a philosophies. 
Some people believe that the more you understood, the more knowledge you've got. Uh, a group was called the Gnostics at the time of, uh, of John. There was a group of people called the Gnostics and basically they mean that they knew more knowledge. And some people believe the more knowledge you got, the more education, the more knowledge that you received, the more you could get to know God. But ultimately it's found, summed up in what the scripture says that they become ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And so knowledge is not the way to God. Knowledge is good, knowledge is helpful, but if it's up to knowledge, most of us in this room would not know God. Especially Stevie. But look, and then other people believe that, other groups of people believe that it was by experience. And they would look for some spiritual encounter or an experience. So they'd be looking at all these different types of things, experiential. To try and find and to find this God. But ultimately that didn't work either. And they can be deceived by deceiving spirits and different things and different things by emotions. But the Jews and the Hebrew people, they came up with the understanding that the only way you could know God is by revelation. God had to reveal himself to you. The Bible that we so uh, confidently read and understand is by revelation. It was given by revelation and it's interpreted by revelation. And God reveals himself to us by revelation. And we see that in this scripture here. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. And you know, our Christian bookshops are filled with all these philosophies and ideas and concepts of trying to interpret the secret things that God has not yet revealed to us. About who is the Antichrist. About the second coming and when it's going to be. And this and that. You know, the secret things. Like whatever's going to happen in Brexit. I mean, that's a... <laughs> I don't even know if God knows that. But anyway... I want to tell you, when I left the kingdom of God, I came out with a no-deal exit. Amen? No-deal exit. No, no uh, separation contract. The secret things belong to the Lord. There's certain things that are in that book. There's certain things that are in their life that God has decided to keep secret. But the things that he has revealed to belong to us. So when God gives you revelation, it's for you. But not only for you, but for your children. It's for you to be able to pass on to your next generation. To pass on to the next generation. That we may do what is in the words of the law. In other words, that we may find the joy of following and serving God. You see, when you get a revelation of God, when you get a revelation of His Word... It's like what John says. He says, his word, his commandments are not grievous to us. When I was out in the world, if you told me to do some of the things the Bible tells me to do, it was a burden. It was a drudgery. But now as a believer, by the revelation of Jesus Christ, to do his will is a joy. It's not grievous to us. You understand? And so we have to be a people that are hungry and longing for the things that God wants to give us. In the Old Testament, if you go to Hebrews 
chapter 1. It says, God, who at several times and in divers manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom he has also made the worlds, and who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Just go back to the previous verse, verse 2. It says, Has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Nothing interesting. You see, up until the New Testament times, up until Jesus came, God spoke in what is called fragmented truth. There was prophets, there was uh, different ones and fathers and leaders and different bits of truth came in a fragmented way up until the time of Jesus. Everything was fragmented. You could only find God through prophetic and prophecy and so on like that. But then he says that God has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And here's the question for you. What last days is he talking about? He wasn't talking about the last days of 2019, although that's still relevant. He was talking about the last days of the old covenant. The last days in which they were living right then. When the old was gone and the new had come. The time when old things had passed away and everything was becoming new. The New Testament, the new covenant is what he was about to introduce. And he says, in the last days he spoke to us fragmentedly, but in these days he's spoken to us by his son. The complete revelation of God is in his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And that's why Jesus came preaching the kingdom. He came preaching the kingdom of God. You see, up until that time, the Jews had this concept. The time was split into two. There was what they called present memory time, which took into the past and the time in which they were living. But there's also this other time that they called, which they called the time to come. The time to come, when the Messiah would come and set up the kingdom and that they would receive all the glory of their, of their, of their past kingdom again. So there was this concept in which they lived in the present time and then there was the time to come. And they were looking constantly to the time to come. Even today, the nation is still looking for a time to come. But Jesus came saying, I've got some good news. The time to come has come. That was the gospel. The good news was that the kingdom of God has come. Guess why it says, and Jesus went around everywhere preaching the kingdom of heaven. He said things like, behold, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Know that the kingdom of God has come amongst you if you see demons cast out and this happening and the sick healed and the dead raised and all these things. John the Baptist, he was there thinking, is this the, the time to come? Is this the one that is to come or, or what? And he said, tell John, tell John that the blind are seeing and the dead are raised and this is happening. And John says, aha, the time to come has come. The kingdom has come. And you know, church, we are living in the days where the kingdom of God has come and is still coming and will continue to come. Let's have a look. 
I think the next verse, is it Hebrews, Hebrews 12? It says, it says there, Wherefore we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby to serve God, whereby we may serve God, sorry, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We are receiving a kingdom. Present tense. Every time you come to church, every time you come here and lift your hands and worship God and receive the word and receive what God is speaking, you should have your USB stick out and plug into the kingdom of heaven. Download. The kingdom. We are receiving a kingdom. The impartation of kingdom is what God's wanting to do. What did Jesus say? Be of good cheer, little flock, for it is the Father's begrudging way to resist giving you the kingdom. Is that what he said? He said, be of good cheer, little flock, because the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so this kingdom that we have is not received by head knowledge. It's not received just by experience, although experience is a part of it. It's received by revelation as God reveals to it. Because when he reveals it, guess what? It belongs to us. It's now mine. I now own it. It's now something that I can believe in, something I can live in, and I can walk in. And as I walk in it, the kingdom opens up to me in that way. We are receiving a kingdom. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And everyone, this is the big but. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Yes, the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The big but. We all need to have a big but. The big but. I don't know how many Christians I've heard that have restricted their Christian experience to say, I has not seen, nor has he heard, neither has in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That was an Old Testament scripture. There was an Old Testament reality. And when Paul quotes it, he puts on the end of it, but God has revealed it unto us. So let me tell you something. As a believer, as a born-again believer, who has decided to go all the way with God, God has revealed to you that which the eye has not seen, that which the ear has not heard, and that which the human heart can't contain but it's revealed to you by his spirit and it belongs to you. Isn't that fantastic? I think that's exciting. This is what opens up to us the kingdom. He says he's revealed to us the deep things of God, the deep things. And as you go in and read the deep things, the deep things are the reality of what God has already done in you, the reality of what he's done. Through Christ. You know, I've been saved for 42 years and I'm only scratching the surface as to what God's really done. 
The deep things aren't the things that God is keeping secret. The deep things are the things that God has revealed. You understand? I, 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 I've been preaching for 35 or no, 37, 8, 40 years. Oh, I don't know, sometimes. <laughs> Just like one big sermon, you know. And I know a lot of people say that. Oh, it feels like you've been preaching for years. Yeah. I said, no, that's when Stevie preaches. But look. The deep things of God, the Spirit of God searches out the deep things to bring them to us so that we can have more of the kingdom. God is wanting to download the kingdom into us. In Colossians, it talks about the mystery hidden from the ages and generations. And then, again, another but. But is now revealed to his saints. Previous generations, previous ages had these things hidden. But God has now revealed them to his saints. Eleven times Paul talks about revelation. Eleven times he uses it in his, in his ministry, in talking to people. He talked about the abundance of revelations. Remember he said he, had a, he was given a thorn in the flesh because of the abundant revelations. To make sure that he didn't go over too far, he, God kept something to keep him back, but the reality was that he had an abundance of revelations. In fact... Paul said the gospel that he preached was a revelation from God. He said, I didn't receive this from men. I received this as a revelation from God. What did he pray for the church? That the church would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That the eyes of their understanding might be opened. That they might know the hope of their calling. That they might know that they're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That you would know the power that works within us. All these things, he says, you need to know that by revelation. See, I can tell it to you. I can give you scriptures and help you quote scripture. And you can memorize it. But it won't change you until you get a revelation. You can be like a parrot. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him, probably want a cracker. Doesn't change anything. But I tell you, when you have a revelation, you see it like you've never seen it before. Revelation means something that has been revealed. It means to shine light upon. It means to make visible, to see something like you've never seen before. How many have read the Bible many times and then you read a certain passage again you've read many times before and all of a sudden you see it? That's a revelation. Reveals to you. And I tell you what, you don't forget that because it's no longer just in your head, it is in your heart. Now, the entrance of your word, the psalmist said, brings light. Well, it's not just the memorization of Scripture. It is the revelation of that Scripture that brings light to us. 
Peter talked about grace is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Grace comes to us when we get the revelation of Christ. Now, historically, nobody can disprove that Jesus was around. In fact, there's more historical evidence that Jesus lived in around the, the time he was born in, they reckon he was born in 3 BC, three years before Christ. So there you go. That's how they've worked it out. But they know that there was a, a guy called Jesus of Nazareth. They know all the different things and he was a teacher and a rabbi and all that stuff. But that doesn't change anybody. It's the revelation of who Jesus is that changes. So God works by revelation. I think John and David in the scriptures realized that the scriptures made them love the word of God. In actual fact, you could even go as far as to say that when you get a revelation of the word, you move from the letter into the spirit. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Most of the world thinks the church gives them letter. But I want to say to you, the word that came this morning, I don't think we, we could probably go home now because I think God's already spoken. The word that came through in tongue and interpretation about God wanting to give resurrection life. So that through the church would come resurrection life. That's not letter, that's spirit. That's not legalism, that's life. So, let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 4.6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shone, shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that's, that's a tremendous scripture and you could spend all day just digging that out in this context. But it's saying under the Old Testament they could only see Moses' face through a veil. They only could see partly what was going on. But it says in, and you go across into the chapter, fourth chapter, of 2 Corinthians, you see there that he begins to say, but now we with open face can look, we can look into the face of the gospel, the face of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Isn't that fantastic? And it says, who God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. So let's, let's look at it. We go back to Genesis 1, we see that there was the, 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 the earth was without form and without void and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the deep that says there, and as the Spirit of God was brooding over the face of the deep, then the Lord said, let there be light. And there was light. Is that right? Let there be light. Uh, uh, the Hebrew brings it this way. The Spirit of God was brooding over the face of the deep, and God said, light be. He didn't ask a question, let there be light, or have I got permission to make light, or can I make light? He just said, light be. And light came and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Remember? In the same way, the Spirit of God broods over people's lives. Broods over us until the word of the Lord comes in the form of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God says, light be. And they reveal and they see who Jesus is. And salvation comes, light comes. Revelation is exactly the same. The Spirit of God broods over our life 
And when we hear the word, light comes. Now I'd love to get into another subject to do with if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with what? If your, light, if your body is single, your whole body will fill with light. There's a whole subject there to do with revelation, to do with God filling our whole life with revelation. But let me just say this because we haven't got time, that the Spirit and the Word together produce light. You know, we would have had this old saying, and you would have heard it, I'm sure. If you were under Andrew Smith for as many years, you would have definitely heard it, because it's an old saying. <laughs> if you have the Word only, you dry up. If you have the Spirit only, you blow up. If you have the Word and the Spirit, you grow up. <laughs> and basically, that's right. The Word and the Spirit produces light. So memorization of Scripture is good, but it doesn't change your life. But when the Word and the Spirit... Now, I believe that we are filled with the Spirit. And when I allow the Word to sink from my head into my heart, then it produces light and transforms and changes me. Let me move on quickly because there's three or four things I need to do before we go further. So the transformation takes place as the word becomes revelation. It then comes up and renews my mind. You know, I, I, we should have a sign sometimes at the door. You know, be you transformed by the removal of your mind. <laughs> sometimes Christians just come in and don't think. But it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind and memorizing doesn't renew your mind but when the word and the spirit together then comes up and renews your thinking the way you see the way you think and the way you move so let's be people of renewed mind by the spirit let me just read this uh, quickly through to you because this is the key that brings all this message together in Matthew 16, don't turn to it because we really haven't got the time to, to go into it in great depth. <clears throat> but Jesus said this. He said, when Jesus came to the Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, what an interesting statement. He didn't say, who do men say that I am? He said, who do people say the Son of Man am? Who, who do people say that that I as the Son of Man am. Now, did you know that Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man more than he did of any other title? He's not just talking about him being a human being. He was referring to back to Daniel. If you just go to Daniel for me. It says there in Daniel 7 verse 13, he says, I saw in night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came in the, to the ancient of days and brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the people and nations and the languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which 
shall not be destroyed. That was powerful effect at the end, wasn't it? Destroyed. <laughs> it should be not destroyed. But anyway. See, Jesus knew what his mission was, was to bring a kingdom. A kingdom that would not be destroyed. A kingdom that was for all nations and all people. Not just for one little nation. Interesting. And as he does this, he says to them, do you know who the Son of Man is? Do you know who he is? And then they go on and speculate. They do speculation knowledge. And they start to say, oh, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're one of the prophets. Some say that you're this. Some say you're that. And then he shakes his head and he goes, oh, mamma mia. Why have you? What, what, what's going on here? He says, but who do you say that I am? And this is the most powerful scripture. Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Where'd that come from? Where'd I, where'd I get that? I didn't know I knew that. Where did I know that from? Wow. And all the other disciples went, that's it. Yep. Yep, that's it. They, 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 they caught it as well. You see, he wasn't talking about him being the son of God, about his deity. He was referring to him being the Christ, the Messiah, the king and every king of Israel was also called a son of God, all of a sudden he got a revelation that this was the king, the time to come had come. Wow. The kingdom to come had come. The king who was prophesied has come. Wow. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but who? My father who is in heaven. Is that right? Revelation. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father revealed it to you by revelation. And then Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal to you, but my Father in heaven. And this I also say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock, what rock? The rock of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, I will build my church. See, this church here exists and is here not because of great management, not because it owns a building, not because it's part of the Assemblies of God, but because it's built upon the rock of the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. That's the message of this church, that's the message of this place, and that's the message that goes out, and that's the message that must be preached. And upon that foundation, every other revelation has to be placed. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Every other revelation about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, water baptism, healing, tongues, interpretation, gifts of the Spirit, all those revelations are built upon the foundation. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, etc., etc. And he says that you are Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom. Wow. The keys of the kingdom. What are the keys of the kingdom? The keys of the kingdom are Revelations. Every time you get a revelation, it's a new key into the kingdom of God. Every time you get a revelation, it's a new key. When I got a revelation that Jesus died on the cross for me and that I could surrender and come into the kingdom of God through him, it was a revelation and a door opened and I went in. And then when I found out that I could be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues, another door opened and the realm of the Spirit opened up to me. 
when I discovered that I was no longer a sinner but now I was a saint, all of a sudden I became Saint Ron. <laughs> Why? Because Revelation opens up to us the keys, is the keys of the kingdom. Then he goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, whatever you bind on earth is already being bound in heaven and whatever is loosed on earth is already loosed in heaven. The things that God has already done and wants to reveal to us, he does by revelation so that we can experience it. Now here's the interesting thing. Whenever people read that scripture, they always think of it about binding the devil and loosing people. But in actual fact, that's not what that scripture is talking about. It's talking about a very interesting, different thing altogether. It's something which the Sanhedrin had the power to bind and to loose. The Sanhedrin were the elders of Israel. They had the power to bind and to loose. In other words, they could bind Stevie to the temple if he was ceremonially clean. If he was ceremonially clean, they would say to him, we bind you into the temple. Temple, You are allowed to be a part. You are committed to us. We're committed to you. You have the rightful place to be here. You belong here and you're a part of the temple. But if you were ceremonially unclean, they would loose you from it and you could not come into the temple. So binding and loosing in that passage and over in Matthew 18 is not to do with binding the devil, it's to do with binding you into that which God has got for you. So when he says, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom, so whatever you bind means that when you get a revelation, it is bound into your life. Lots of things are positive about binding. Aren't we in the bonds of marriage? Aren't we supposed to be in the bonds of marriage? Some people say, oh, now you... <laughs> I saw Mary, she went, what? Positive? <laughs> it's, it's something which hides us, holds us to it. The Bible says that he binds up the brokenhearted. So binding is a positive, not a negative. So in this category, what we have is the kingdom of God is now being, every time I get a revelation, it binds me to the kingdom. So here we have, come on here, you're my guinea pig. Okay, here we have Lindsay. Lindsay's just your average variety garden <laughs> Scots lassie. And as she walks through life, lots of different things happen to her and she gets, she picks up all these different things in her life. <coughs> up the back. You've got the sin at the back. Yeah. So as she comes in, yeah, hold these things at the end there, just hold them down there. 
Right at the end, yeah, that's good, very good. And as you can see, there's fear, there's error, there's aloneness, there's sin, doubt, fear, and so on. These things are attached to her life. Now, no matter what she does, no matter what she does, she can't get free of them. There's no doubt about that. But then she meets Jesus Christ. Here's Jesus. Come on, Jesus. She hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and she responds because she gets the revelation of who Jesus is and Jesus comes into her life and, according to Scripture, is now bound. She is now... Lift your, lift your sins up. Lift your sins up. Yeah, hold that. Okay. And so... When it says the keys of the kingdom are that you, whatsoever is bound in heaven is now bound on earth. Is that right? That's what happens. And then it says, and here Jesus said, if you love me and you keep my commandments, I will come and my father will come and we will set up our house within you. Isn't that amazing? And that we will reveal or manifest, reveal ourselves to you. So the father comes. It's a bit back to front, but here he is. He's the father. <laughs> the father and the son. And so he's bound. Bound in there as well. So here we go. Just take that around there. There you go. And here's the amazing thing is. We're talking about binding and loosing. You guys are fidgets. <laughs> when she meets Jesus, the aloneness is now loosed from her. <laughs> aloneness is now loosed. And then she gets the revelation of righteousness. You look righteous to me. Come out here. You do. <laughs> and righteousness. We are now the what? What's the Bible say? We are the righteousness of God in... Christ. So in Christ, you go over there next to your dad. We find that righteousness is now bound into her life, into Lindsay's life. Here we go, you're bound in there as well. And that then gives us righteousness means that we are no longer bound by sin. And so the power of sin is now loosed from us. And then you look like love. Come out here. <laughs> the Bible says, the Bible says that the perfect love of God does what? Casts out all fear. So love now is bound into Lindsay's life. There we go. And destroys or casts out fear. Or in other words, it looses her from Fear. So what's happening is there's a binding and a loosing taking place. And it's done by revelation. Every time you have a revelation, something is bound into you and then something is loosed from you. Binding and loosing. Make sense? And uh, we, we, we've run out of rope, but listen... <laughs> As she hears the truth and gets more truth, 
Oh, it's this guy here, Stevie. Look at him. Hi. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Yeah. Who can we get? Somebody else. Come in here, Stevie. Steve. This is a big truth, this one. <laughs> Jump in. <laughs> truth. Truth. Well, there's truth cut out. Truth cuts out. Error. Error. So she's loose from error. And then we have faith. There's a faith. You look like faith. There you go. Faith, jump in. Jump in there. There you go. Hold that. And then faith comes in and is bound. And then there is a loosing from doubt and unbelief and all the stuff that goes with that. So what happens is, Lindsay now... The further she goes into the kingdom, the more she's receiving the kingdom, the more she's getting revelation, the more that's being bound to her life. And always remember, it's so hard as Pentecostals to think of bondage as being positive. (laughs) But it is positive in the context I'm saying. You understand that, don't you? That the more bondage she gets, the more she comes in, the more she is free and loosed. I have a funny feeling that might be why Paul loved calling himself a bond servant. He understood what it meant to be bound to Jesus. You know, everywhere he went, they said, what's your name? He says, bond. (laughs) Bond servant. (laughs) Bond servant. This is not right, money penny. Bond. Her name's Paul, Apostle Paul, you know. That. Okay, so wherever Lindsay goes, come on, Lindsay, start walking. These guys go with you. Hey, all right, give them a clap, give them a clap. Now, I've taken a little bit of time to use that as an illustration because I want to get this thing into our heads as Pentecostals the bondage in the context of what I've just said in Revelation binds it into our life. It's not terminology that we use. I would say it infuses our life. But the biblical term is bondage there. There is another aspect to do with binding. Don't misunderstand me. If you get a revelation of worship and listen to me, and I felt this as I was driving down here today, and I'm, and I'm really sorry I'm taking so long, but I'm not really because I've got to get this out. This is what it's... The Holy Spirit said to me, if this church can understand the power of worship, gets a revelation on worship, it will begin to bind the nobles and the kings with feathers of iron and with chains. If you get an understanding and a revelation, read Psalm 149 at the end of it. It says, there were the high praises of God in our mouth and the two-edged sword in our hand. And it goes on to say that you can bind the kings with chains of iron and the fetters and the, and the nobles were fetters of iron. In other words, when we begin to get a revelation of worship, that releases the hand of God to begin to deal with principalities and powers. Listen to me. If ever there was a time in this nation that we need to rise up 
not go out and petition, not go out and march on the streets, not go out and rant and rave at politicians and whatever. And now is the time for the church to rise in such a dimension of praise and worship that we begin to bind up the powers of darkness and stop them. They're, God, they're, they're loose in our, in our midst. Our schools, our education, our media, our entertainment, our, um, every area of our society is pushing towards the same direction. I tell you, we've got to bind these spirits with praise and worship and high praises. Isn't that what it said there? He said that um, he is fearful in praises. A new dimension of praise and worship. Oh, I wish I could go on, but I'll... I just want to say this to you. How do you get revelation? I've told you what revelation is. Let me give you a very simple synopsis of Revelation. Proverbs 25, 2 says, It is God's privilege to conceal things as the king's privilege to discover them. You want to be a king in the kingdom of God? You want to be a son of the king, a prince? Then now seek God for it. How do we get revelation? The Bible talks about... How do we get revelations? By meditating. Meditation is the primary form in which God begins to bring to us revelation. Let me just read out to you a few things. In the Psalms, it talks about that we should meditate day and night. That we should meditate upon our bed. In the night watches. We should meditate on God's works, God's precepts, God's word, God's majesty, God's name. Philippians 4.8 says that whatsoever is good, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is of good report, etc., etc., think on these things, meditate on these things. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Timothy, he was to meditate and give himself wholly to the word that had come to him. Meditation takes us from the letter of the law into the spirit of the law. And gives to us the keys of the kingdom. One minute. I've got two hand fingers up, but one minute. One minute. I'll give you an example of what meditation. Meditation means to mutter. means to say over and over and over. It means to ponder and to think through the whole thing. And one way I do it, and there's many ways of meditating, I know that. But one of the ways I do it is say, oh, I'm, going to, I'm reading... Um, Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want this is how I would do it if I was to meditate on that I would just get that into my head the Lord is my shepherd I would begin to mutter to myself the Lord the almighty God the one who was able to create the universe the one who has done all things able, limitless, omniscient omnipotent, all powerful that being, that, that one who is my, also my father, that that Lord is my, my shepherd, my, not just the shepherd of all the sheep, but my personal shepherd as well. And that means as a shepherd, he has responsibility to make sure that I'm watered, to make sure that I'm fed, to make sure that I'm led in, 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 in green pastures, to make sure that I'm protected. He's the one that disciplines me. He's the one that, that's his, his responsibility is as my shepherd is to, Look after me in all those areas. And, and, as, and, and, and as 
that that then puts the responsibility on me as a sheep. I need to hear his voice according to the scriptures and that, that I need to realize that as one of his sheep that I need to be following him and I need to be a part of the flock because didn't he say somewhere that it was the, his father's pleasure to give to the flock of God, the kingdom of God, and as a sheep I have to be part. So therefore I have to learn how to eat. I need to learn how to follow and to hear his voice. And, and yeah, so that's just a little example of how meditation works. Do you follow me? I'm, I'm just making that on the spot there and I'm not saying, don't go away and say, oh wow, wrong. God rave is a real revelation. No, no, I'm just saying, it's in the process of that that all of a sudden light comes. And as that light comes, it happens. You start to read the scriptures and meditate on the power of worship. Read the story of Jehoshaphat. Read those worship things. And you will find that God will give you a revelation of what happens when we worship. It's not just a matter of, oh, I feel good. Do, 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 do. I feel good. Do, do, do. It's not a matter of just making God feel good. It's a matter of what God does when we release him. In his majesty, release the warrior. Okay? Father God, as we've looked in a fumbling, stumbling, bumbling ways at all that you have for us in the kingdom, I pray, Lord God, that as we made that no-deal exit from the kingdom of darkness, then, Lord God, we come into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear Son, that, Father, that you desire to give us revelation and revelation and revelation and open up to us the whole of the kingdom. Father, we thank you that you've given us keys today to bind and to loose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.